what do you get when you add a sorcerer, a changeling, a Valkyrie, songwriter into a group, you'd get Box Machina. Nope, nope, I'm sorry, nope. You would get Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. I'm just waiting for people to be in the comments and be like, that's not what it was. <laughs> Welcome back to Tales of Two Bros. I am Angel. I'm Adon. Where we give you a review at least once a week, and I wear another sleeveless t-shirt. This is facts. Spoilers. The time of this review, Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, just premiered nationwide. Adon, you are a huge Dungeons & Dragons enthusiast. I don't mean, I don't know how big you are in that. And it says how I know you play weekly with your friends. What's that? It's a D20. They were selling them at the theaters. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, I, sh I, shouldn't come I shouldn't talk. I have stuff, popcorn thing for uh, Black Panther, Star Wars. Pretty so much, I have yeah. tin popcorn, so I don't, I don't know what that was. But it looked like a freaking... Um, it's, it's, it's just um, the oversized dice. Right. It opens up. Uh, this one actually does. Uh, so... If you guys get to the theater early enough, and hopefully they have some left, they'll sell this with your popcorn. And you can put your popcorn in it or other things. I'm going to use it for dice. Of course you will. Of course. All right. So I'm a fan of the animated series way back in the day with Willie Ames. That's pretty much all I know. It was a deep cut. That was like, okay. Before I want you to go into it, because I know you're a big fan, and before we were filming our review here, you were looking at a video about spells and stuff like that in your D and D. Yes, uh, well, just uh, for everybody's reference, I like I enjoy D and D and I play it. Uh, I have actively going on uh, three campaigns that I'm in, um, two of which are put onto the separate YouTube channel that I'm on. There's so many different spells, so many different abilities and classes that even as much as I've played, and I've been playing for about five years now, there's still so much I'm, I need to learn, do, and, and get a grasp on. So one of the cool things is, like, we'll talk about it, but in the movie, they reference some things, they don't reference some things. It just promoted me to want to be like, I want to double check, I want to learn, can I do so this? So the movie was like a training seminar for you in a way. It, it, it can be, yes. Yes, I would argue. So there were some things that were designed just for the movie. And, mm -hmm. and I, I watched uh, interviews with uh, because they did talk to uh, creators at Wizards of the Coast, which is primarily runs D&D. And uh, they created some things specifically for the movie. They created some things that are now canon in the world um so what's okay because i like uh, from what am i understanding like okay so D, &D well let me let me have you D, D is, is kind of like an improv session true class workshop where you have a moderator that which is the audience pretty much that gives you ideas sets a scene up for you and then you have to i guess uh act it out and respond by rolling the dice in comparison and with what your character has, the strengths and weaknesses, 
And then after you roll the dice, what have you, there's like a, a little exposition or something that helps move the story along to say that as if you are able to kill this monster or achieve this treasure, like the moderator then goes back to, I guess, tells the story for you guys or, or helps move the story forward. Yes, that's pretty accurate. Um, things like spells, items, and whatnot, you can imagine those as just your props for your improv uh, in, in regards to it. But you're absolutely right. Your moderator is your DM. They're the ones that they can dictate the scenario. They they paint the world for you. You as the improv, is you, you're given your character. You, you're given your motivation. You act it out with your props that you're given. And then... The based on the dice, the dice is what makes it random. The dice is like gambling. So okay. you're not guaranteed you're going to win in a fight. You're not guaranteed that you're going to win over the hand of the maiden in the bar and it'd be like, I'm going to lay you tonight. No, you could actually crash and like, and, and she'd be like, nah, you're not my type. I like small guys. And in <laughs> that kind of situation. So there, there's all sorts of things that can happen that are never planned out. And one of the one of the biggest things that we always joke about when I play with my other groups is the DM is like I'm ready for you guys. And we always go, "But are you?" because we always end he always has a plan and we always end up diverging from his plan. So it's always it ends up being a very big improv. But your your summarization of it is not far off in actuality. I was never into it like the game itself i, I never got it. i know growing up because dungeon dragons the game stuff is been around for a long time since i was a kid yeah 1970s um, yeah and you see it a lot in shows now like stranger things is a big thing was in big bang um, they made a movie similar to that with starring tom hanks a cbs movie i never got uh, to see that movie but yeah I, I heard it was it, it was kind of yeah it was kind of cool it was like where he got into it like his character totally lost it in a way that he his his what he the make-believe became his reality so it was like mental yeah almost like you know what you know lack for a better word he went crazy chris pine from the wonder woman movies michelle rodriguez from the mainly from the fast and furious franchise you have mm -hmm. jean red jean ph i don't know that's how his name the guy from bridge of port or whatever that was on netflix Oh yeah, Justin Smith, Thea Lillis, Hugh Grant. You have Chloe Coleman, which I only know her from that one with uh, Batista, My Spy, My Neighbor's a Spy, or something like that. That was on Amazon. And you have Daisy Head, who uh, I never, I don't know who she is. But I had to say, entertaining movie. I laughed more than I thought. The chemistry was good. But is it worth the watch? Worth the price of admission? I had to say no. In my opinion, this movie could be a, a, what you could see on Netflix. That's fair. This could be a, Nef this could be a Netflix production. I, I did love Hugh Grant. Uh, the, the relationship with Chris Pine and Michelle Rodriguez was awesome. My highlight was really Justin Smith, Simon, who played you know who was the sorcerer. I yeah. liked him. Did you have a great time? Did you enjoy it? Uh, yes, I, I did. I went with my uh, actually my friends that we play D and D with, and um, so we all sat in the same row. But there's reasons I had a great time for it. I don't disagree with your verdict of like you could probably watch this on Netflix and have just as good a time. If you're big into D and D, you you probably could get away with it in theaters. But if you decided to wait, not I wouldn't hurt uh, you know begrudge you for it. Also, 
in comparison, there was a D&D movie that came out in 2000. That was my comparison. Okay. Miles better than that one. And that one had Jeremy Irons. Uh, oh, that's right. I remember that. I, well, I never saw it. Because again, I, I was not really interested. Don't. But I remember that Jeremy. <laughs> okay. It had Marlon yeah, Wayans and Jeremy Irons and some other good actors. And it was epically bad. Oh, okay. How was your audience experience? Audience was pretty good. I could tell there was other D&D players in the audience because okay. they were getting the same points that we were getting. Oh, as we're, yeah. <laughs> I was getting over. I don't know. I mean, our audience, we weren't, we went to see an IMAX. We sat like far back in the sense where we had the comfortable chairs and definitely no one would sit next to us. We made sure that no one sit next to us. <laughs> so you bought we, extra tickets? <laughs> no, no. You didn't buy extra tickets, but you, here's a little hack for those who, feel the same way I do, you buy seats that are next to the handicap section. Granted, <laughs> you have to agree that like, if someone needs a, needs a seat, you have to vacate. It's like, sure, yeah. yeah. But most, most likely, no one's going to, not most likely, but the rare occasion that someone's going to need the seat. Yeah. I think I was laughing a lot more than anyone in the theater because I just, well, I saw the silliness of it and mm -hmm. actually the, the, the brilliance, I would say, to what they're the characters or the scene was going for. I could recognize that. Um, I can't right now think of any off the top of my head. A lot of Chris Pine um, moments, like where he's talking to, uh, you know, speak to the dead, like that moment where they're. Oh, like, yes. That whole entire moment is just great. And that actually felt like a, a moment we had in our game, how he interacts with the paladin or like, uh, like those kind of things. Um, yeah. Oh, Hugh Grant, how he's like walked into the room and he's responding to like uh, the Red Wizards talking to her or her lord or previous Red Wizard. He's mm -hmm. like, oh, you, you have the hood off. I mean, that that, that might be something good. Yeah, you want to keep that over. Not to say anything right. against you. He's going on into that. That part's like Hugh Grant being Hugh Grant. Exactly. But right. it worked. Yeah, of course. Now, that character that she was talking to in that, Mm -hmm. scene that was kind of scary and I, would, I was just hoping to see more of him yes um and that was like the only i think that was the only shot even there's like nothing about him to say like to imply there will be a sequel since like his plans was diverted here that he would may show up yeah like for a sequel and it says to apply that like kind of like almost like a thanos thing well, that's actually pretty common in a lot of DD campaigns because usually you want to work your way up to like your Thanos character. So mm -hmm. there's like a, a lot of characters that are like Thanos level. They'll be the ones managing everything from behind the scenes and you have like your generals and your bosses that are in there. And right. then you have your smaller missions to get to those points. So mm -hmm. that makes sense to me is like if they were going to do a sequel, he could pop up again. But no, but I, I understand, but I was just hoping that he would again here some way because he was very interesting menacing. and menacing. And like you just see him like a little bit of his eyes. I think I think also like a, a rim on his head or something yeah. like that. He was, was like, a, the first one to use the horn. On the flashback scene? Yeah, yeah, that was him. Okay. What scenes did you like or did you find satisfying being a D&D &D guy? Anything that I could relate to was very uh, delightful for me. For example. Okay. So, <laughs> so I mean, that helps the audience to know what, you know, it's like, so, <laughs> and so, me too, cause I don't know what you could relate to. So there was a lot of moments where, uh, we'll, we'll, 
jokingly say that's like your character that's like this character and uh like for example when hugh grant hugs uh holga all right and uh, or michelle rodriguez and, and she doesn't hug him back i'm like that reminded like we're joking because they they turned to me and they're like oh that's your character andreas he loves to hug people and no one loves to hug him back oh okay <laughs> and then uh and then we'll just go into different moments like that but I I did love the little touch of humor that felt more like improv at a lot of times. And it, it felt rewarding that I could recognize a lot of the Easter eggs or a lot of the things that they were doing. Because it wasn't like they had to explain everything they were doing. Which I, I enjoy watching a movie that they don't give you exposition for every mm-hmm. single thing. So mm-hmm. I, I, I get a kick out of that. When, like, don't dumb it down for me. And I don't think you, and then, you needed it to be dumbed down for the most part. You no. can just accept. Yeah, because like that's what it was great. If you don't dumb it down and it catches people's attention, being if you're being true to the source and what have you, and then that can create uh, curiosity for those watching and says, oh, let me do some research. Or you make mm-hmm. a new fan of that genre or game. Like if people yeah. want to know more about Dungeons and Dragons, now they can do the research and then they can probably start another uh, campaign themselves with their friends or maybe online and stuff like that. So that's, that's cool. That's yeah. what I like about it. Yeah. When you dumb it down, it's like, this is not for three-year-olds. True. And it shouldn't be. Lumbertrod, the dragon. Oh, the fat one? <laughs> the fat dragon. I actually <laughs> met Thumbertrod in one of my campaigns. It, no, he's not real, right? It's, it's role play, bro. It's real oh, imagination. <laughs> No, but like in our version of the campaign, he wasn't as rotund. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but it was just great seeing that character. And it was hilarious him swim down the gold, like March of the Penguins style. Right. Yes. <laughs> it was kind of like March of the Penguins. And also, it took me back to the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Uh, the Hobbit. He's a very similar character to that, uh, to the Smog. Right, Smog, but what I'm saying, like how, like in in The Hobbit, Smog, he's like crawling on the gold, where this one is rolling. We're rolling and surfing. <laughs> I saw the humor in that, and it's because he, he's totally over beast. Because he's like, he represents sin, he represents like gluttony and all that stuff. For me, it was the action and the callback to the cartoon. Speaking so, of which, did you see the callback to the cartoon? Yeah, the characters were all in the cages. I just uh, had to be sure. Back. That was what I'm talking about. <laughs> that was the highlight for me. That was the highlight for me. The only thing I didn't they didn't have was the wizard, I believe. They had every other character from the show and it's not the main characters, the heroes. Oh, the all, little all the little wizard up. dude with the, the mutton chops. Yeah, he I think he's the dungeon master, if you will call it. Um, yeah. that yeah, that guided them. He was like the Yoda of the of the crew. Uh, but yeah, he is not an error. But everyone, they have the kid with the, the horns. You have the blonde with the arrow guy. You have the sarcastic uh, brunette kid with the purple cape and, and other characters, you know, the rest of the team. So for me, I was, I was excited for that. that. That brought my childhood right there and, and make me remember all my the other episodes. Um, so I was ecstatic. And I was wondering if they, could, how, if, if they were going to do that. And I was surprised that they let it on so long because in that labyrinth or game with it, wherever that was, there was three teams and they actually survived. Well, 
Well, they got in that cage. Yeah, they survived at least until the next round. Well, okay. The yes, they survived in well because that was the first round. And and Chris Pine says, like, all you're going to do is just go for the next challenge afterwards, and that's it. Right, but meaning that if there's only if they're the only teams because those the other three the other team got taken down. Mm -hmm. Chris Pine's team, uh, they left, so that's the only team. Yeah, but the, so they, Chris Pine explains is it's not a game of like last man standing. It's a game of can you survive? And oh. he's like, and they asked him like, did anybody win? He's like, well, there was a team that made it all the way to like such and such rounds, and then they died a horrible death. No. <laughs> oh, oh, I missed that. One. I also like two fight scenes. The one with Michelle Rodriguez escaping oh. with Chris. Uh, in, the hall, in that little hallway the, where they're you know, cutting the rope and she's asking about the sh- uh, the axe and like how do you keep it shiny from rust, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. That was a really good fight scene. Um, only thing I have with that, though, is that I don't understand. This happens in a lot of like fights where the hero is fighting people in helmets. Yeah. And they're able to hit the bad guys with their fists bare fists and they do they hurt the person wearing the helmet that's supposed to protect them from blunt objects and things of that nature and i was like come on really is like in our hand doesn't hurt she's a barbarian she's a valkyrie if you will in that way in the sense of a female female barbarian from all of that that's what the only thing that got me I was like come on again because you see it almost everything i mean you again here i go with star wars that the Ewoks take down stormtroopers with rocks and sticks. It cannot penetrate the armor, but they defeat these uh, stormtroopers, humans, who are stronger and bigger than the Ewoks, but they lose to the Ewoks. And I was like, for real now? I mean, have you ever heard the fan theory that the armor no, is less no, durable no, than no. the armor they've done for the clone troopers? It doesn't matter. <laughs> you should not, if you have a sh- some kind of shield of protection, you should not be getting like, oh, I get knocked out as if you, you don't have any armor at all. <laughs> so that was my little gripe. And then the one with the same scene with the dragon where... There's uh, evil or, or evil right? Foot. Where uh, Zenix, Zenx, Zen, how was his name? What's his name? Uh, Rajon's uh, character. Uh, Zank Yendar. Zank. There you go, Zank. So that fight scene was nice. It was a smooth fight scene. I did enjoy it that. Was, but it was funny. Since those characters are undying, like zombies, why not just throw them off a cliff? Because right there, they're, they're on a bridge kind of thing that you could just simply just push them off. But no, they just you, you kill them knowing that they're going to come back. If you throw them off the cliff into the lava, there is no coming back. I mean, the dragon tossed a couple off the cliff and they ate a couple. Yeah, well, They're not coming back from that. True, but I'm, not, but I'm talking about the ones that initially. Mm-hmm. Zank, he was okay. He, he's your uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Drax. Right, he, he says very little, but he was almost like overdramatic. Well, that's why I said it, because he's like, everything's literal. And he's like, uh, he was like, I was being ironic. He's like, I find irony is like the sword who cuts both, you know, the, he who wields it most, something like that. Okay. 
Yeah. All right. I can relate to what his character is. And the, and I, I, I talked this out with one, one of my friends and I, his character is what you would call like the NPC that the DM would play. So he's okay. a character that uh, the dungeon master would introduce to help the story along and guide the story uh, uh, along a certain path. So that way you don't get sidetracked so much. That's why he's actually like really strong, really focused. And once you're done your quest, he goes. And um, and they were and we were joking about like that's pretty much like where does he go? Like you're in that like as soon as he starts leaving, it's like you ask the DM like where's he going? That way, like the DM doesn't have anything more to say for him. He's, so he's joking about he's just walking in a straight line. Oh, there's a boulder. Like where's he gonna go around? Nope, he's going over the boulder. I didn't watch any of the previews. Except for like one, the trailer or whatever. Yeah, you the can't first help one. It but see, yeah, you can't help but see it if you're in a theater, right? You can't avoid it. You know, so I didn't know who else is in it. And I was totally surprised to see Bradley Cooper make an appearance. Oh, he wasn't in any of the trailers. And oh, it was, was? Okay. That, which is that, great. Yes, that's that's how it should be. Yes. Yes, that's how Shazam, Fear of the Gods, should have took a page from that. And understand that you don't you don't give the like the ending in the preview, but yeah, I was totally surprised. Like who like who does he know, or who did he owe a favor to to do this, or did he produce the movie? I don't know. Maybe he produced. I don't know. I, I think it was just great either way. Plus, it also uh, showed that uh, Michelle Rodriguez's character uh, Holga has a type. <laughs> right. Well, we see later on at the end that she sees another half foot, if you will. Yes. I was shocked by that, and I was pretty surprised with that, and happily surprised to see that. Anything else that you liked or maybe not liked? Oh, okay. So what I also liked was the the final climactic fight scene, where it uh, take the group, and they're fighting against a red wizard. Uh, because, A, that's where I was like, I need to double check on some of my spell casting, because they were doing a lot of spells back-to-back, and they were doing a lot of cool things. The execution of it was really good because um, there are some spells that you have to do that you have to concentrate on. Like mm-hmm. when she animated the statue. And as soon as she got hit, she lost her concentration. And then right. there's other spells that you don't need a, uh, concentration on. This is me nitpicking now. Like I was like, that's not really canon or uh, like like the wild shape thing for the druid. Personally, I would have liked her to look more less humanoid. Uh, Tieflings are human. They just have horns and a tail, but their skin is also changed in, uh, in a little bit. So I would have liked her to be more Nightcrawler-ish. Uh, uh. Yeah. Um, but them calling her a druid as a wild shaper, all druids wild shape. They can all okay. change shape. It's just that some are better at it than others. There was a moment where she's changing from one animal to the another animal. This just depends on some of the some games that you may play. Some people will allow it. I didn't allow it when I did a game with uh, my group, where I was like, "No, you got to change back into your human shape," kind of like a werewolf, you know, going back in, from human to wolf. You can't go from wolf to wolf to different animals and stuff like that. That's me nitpicking. I did like, I did like the was it a hawk or pigeon? Whatever the the owl bear. Whatever that she flew, she flies and she's falling and then she has to change. Oh yeah, she did. Uh, she, she, I think she did turn into a hawk. Well, the whole thing was cool, where she's just changing, adapting to try to escape and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, granted, you you obviously can tell it's CGI. It's like really bad CGI. 
but it's hard to control animals to do the right thing. That and like they didn't have like a Lord of the Rings budget, um, mm-hmm. considering all. I mean, CGI wise, considering their budget that they did have, it was actually no, overall, pretty decent. Yeah. Now I, one of my enjoyments was the waking of the dead. Yeah. <laughs> and telling, and then they keep getting the wrong person trying to find the yeah. one who has the helmet or what happened to the helmet. Which that's actually a pretty common cleric spell. That like the priests of that world are actually can get that spell fairly easily. But yes, it, the rules are just like how they described it. You only get five questions. Mm-hmm. And it, once the five questions are done, it goes back down and you can't do it again. Can't go to the same person. Exactly. You're done. Or same or same body. And then they do a callback with at the end credit. And that was quite hysterical. <laughs> and where it's like, hello, hello, can someone ask me a question, please? Anybody ask me a question? Somebody? Shit. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was good. And then, you know, when, when he's asking the first time, when he, he's learning to ask. And he just like, is that a question? And he's like, yes. No, no, not you, him. I was like, oh, yes. Uh, Which I've had moments like that in the game. We're like, we're just fumbling over it. Yes, oh. that, that's, we related to that so hard. Oh, oh, oh I was going to say like items that they created for the movie that eventually oh, okay. came into the game. The the Tome of uh, Reawakening. That one I think is already in the game, but I know the helm. The helm was created for the movie, but they added it in the game before the movie released, as well as the staff, uh, where it's like, I forget the name of the staff, but it was basically the portal gun. The one that opens little doorways that they can jump from oh, one oh, area. Oh, 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 the one he found. He's like, wait a minute, that's a, where'd you get that? Okay, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then the horn, to, too. Yeah. Right. The horn that's for the red mist. Yes, yes. Okay. And then, uh, and the prison. That's all stuff that they made for the movie that they introduced to the game prison. before the movie which, released. Which prison? Where uh, The very, very first pr- prison where it's all frozen ice and you first introduce uh, Chris Pine and Oh, oh I, I, I came in late. Oh, oh, so you missed the scene where uh, they were putting the moves on Holga. I came in where Chris Pine is talking about having a kid and his wife, blah, blah, blah. Oh, this is back. before that. Okay. So they introduce like this uh, like big old prison. They bring in uh, this character who's like in chains and the chains are on like a rail and they bring him into the prison cell that's only to Chris Pine and Helga. Chris Pine's making mittens that you see later on. Holga's uh-huh. eating a potato. This massive creature is just eyeing Olga and, he, and Chris Pine being Chris Pine. It goes, I wouldn't uh, talk to her while she's eating her potato. She doesn't like to be interrupted. And, and he did a call back to that later. Yeah. Basically, he goes, I've never had a cell with a female before. We're going to be real good friends. And she puts the potato down. And then she kicks both his legs at the same time, snapping both his knees. And then oh, she wow. smashes his face into the stone bench. And then she continues eating her potato. Yeah, let me see that. Yeah, the bad stuff is like more nitpicking. Yeah. The final scene was good. I was Oh, it was predictable. To me, it was predictable. I told Kim, I was like, he's going to use it for a whole guy. Oh, yeah. Dying. It was kind of, because the thing is, is like, you saw the daughter. Coming. Yeah, you saw. It. But the thing is, like, he was doing it. He wasn't doing it because he being selfish of trying to find that. What was that thing called again? Tomb of uh, Reawakening, I believe, or Tome Tomb of, of Reawakening. Re- that 
he wasn't doing selfish, even though he was, because he was trying to have it get his wife back, even though he was saying, I'm trying to get your mom back. Yeah. And the thing is, all she knew was Holga as her mom. That's her mom. Yeah. He noticed that he was being selfish. It was more about his needs and his wants, but, but masking it as theirs or hers. Yeah, no, I agree because like he even called it out at one point and like when he's trying to um apologize to his daughter, he said, I was trying like I wasn't trying to bring back your mother, I, I was trying to bring back my wife. And it and and quite literally pointed it out, but you're right. Um But that wasn't really to Kira, that was to the witch. No, he said that to Kira on the boat. Was it? I thought it was on the thing where she starts laughing really hysterically. And, oh my uh, god, you're right. Yes. Yes, uh, she was. Uh, she was uh, disguised. Thank you. That's a disguise yeah. spell she was using. Yeah, I think by the on the boat, they were good, and to go back and rescue. I mean, after Hugh Grant pulled the knife, I think she was like, "Yeah, yes. this makes all sense now." <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, if I'm also saying a negative, I mean, I've talked to other people that said the pacing felt rushed in a lot of different ways. Because they're like oh, jumping I, from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. It made sense though. Yeah, no, I'm I mean, okay with the pacing, but I can understand why a person will feel like this is kind of like jarring uh, how okay. fast it was. We saw Willow the series, right? Yes. Okay, and we see here where there's a goal to get to. They have to, in Willow, they have to rescue the brother. Yeah. That's the main thing. The rescue here, they got to rescue Kira, the daughter, or to reunite with Kira. In Willow, the pacing was so deadly slow. It doesn't make sense to have all this slow and talks and about love. I mean, you're you're not focusing on saving your brother. You're focusing on other things that is not dire at the moment. Where here, it is dire. He's trying everything he can to get his daughter before it gets worse because he, he knows what's going to happen. And also to get that talisman to resurrect his wife. So he yeah. has two things to do. That's what initially got him in trouble and sent him to prison in the first place. Well, he got he got set up, but that was the goal there. And so that's all we see. Again, Star Wars. So and again a new <laughs> hope. But no, but see how it was like the pacing in Star Wars was pretty like on the point. Yes, you had some build. It wasn't like jump ship from the beginning, but you have the build up just like here. You have the build up. You have some backstory. A little bit. Mm -hmm. The characters in here. And then it gets moving. And then you see him like, hey, we got to go. We got to do this. All right. Figure out how you do this this spell. Figure out how you get this talisman or, or helmet or hat, wherever to work. Let's, you got to do it. I need you. Which is the thing. But like he, the tuning right, is the thing he, in the game. Right. But he can't. Unfortunately, he's a person who doesn't have the strength like Holga. He doesn't have the powers to shapeshift like Doric. He doesn't have the ability to cast spells like Simon. He's like he said, he's a planner. He's the one that I guess foresees how things can happen. Mm -hmm. And you know, if it, it doesn't if it doesn't work, okay, we'll shift to this. So for me, the pacing was great. It didn't feel like forever. No, and it, where, it's a solid two hour. It's two hour and fourteen minute movie, right. and it didn't feel two hours. Not like where in Willow. Even though each episode was maybe an hour, it felt like four. 
it just felt like each episode was dragging and dragging. Yeah, there were some slow points, sure, of course. You got to slow down here to pick up, to understand, and to learn more about like what um, Forge is doing or his purpose. Maybe they felt rushed because they want to see more of the D&D world come to life. True. I can, I can see that because the the D world is massive mm-hmm. like if you're really de- de- you know, digging into all the different areas they actually did cover some of the major points that you can go the underdark which is the k system the mm-hmm. uh never winter the uh water deep which is like one of the biggest cities you can go to but like underdark was barely touched like one campaign i've been in the underdark for a couple of years now and we're exploring all sorts of things that we did he, you didn't even see in the in the movie. There's like living, well, like there's like swamp thing group combination creatures mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that live in the underdark, and elves, gnomes, all sorts of things. You could do it like a, a movie on each different area, right? I don't like too much exposition, right? Uh, and that falls in that same category for me. Like, don't I enjoy fan base? I, I fan service, cool. Fan service, there you go. Yeah. Um, but don't throw it at me like that's all you got. I like the part where they're trying to penetrate the fortress and they're using uh, Chris Pine's character as a distraction, but it's not really Chris Pine. It's an illusion of Chris Pine. And and he starts to stretch. It goes, it's, I don't understand how that works, or how that worked, though, where the kid's foot gets stuck. So the, the apparition <laughs> gets messed up. Yeah. I mean, so I don't get that, how that related. This goes into interpretation, but basically that's a spell that needs concentration, right? In most cases, if you're failing on a concentration spell, the spell just fails. So he was distracted. It was, his foot got stuck. And he was like distracted trying to get out. But here's where you could say he rolled a nat one. So like uh, rolling your dice is like how well or how poorly you're going to succeed. If you roll a nat one, that means you have failed so hard, things are going to get worse than what they did just failure. First time I played D&D, very first match that we did, one of our guys, he's like, I'm going to investigate, see if we find these goblins. I'm going to track, uh, track their footsteps. Cool, roll. Guy goes through, uh, gets a nat one on tracking his steps. Yeah, um, apparently it's been raining a lot. You slip in the mud as you try and track their steps and you fall in a pile of poo left by cows, face first. <laughs> So basically the, the distortion of the spell was a nat one. Plus Fair it's just enough. funny. Now <laughs> to go back to another thing that I don't like that I've seen over and over again throughout films throughout the years, uh, besides that punching and hurting someone who's wearing a helmet, when changelings change and revert back to their natural form, I'm tired and it makes no sense that you have clothes on you change to a snake, a rat, a hawk, a deer, uh, whatever that thing was in the first when we first met her. She was a horse. She's back into clothes. Yes. So that makes no sense to me. We've seen that in like, I know you like Dracula, the untold story, where this shape-shifting of the Dracula is changing into bats and he's back as regular yeah. person. And then you have it in Bound Helsing. I mean, there's other plenty of films that do the same thing where yeah. the character changes to an, a total different person in fur or feathers or in reptilian skin and then they return back fully closed later on i was like 
Well, Come actually, on, Van Helsing good. did it the way you like. They don't become fully clothed. They become Yes, nude. they do. No, they don't. He shows his booty. No, he don't. No, the one with... the one with uh, Where the guy's uh, tearing off his skin? No, I'm talking about the one with uh, Hugh Jackman. Yeah, the guy tears off his skin and he's ter- no, tearing off his clothes. No, the main guy? Nope. Nope. Maybe he tears it off and things like that. But this, Okay, he tears it off, but is he a changing? I'm talking about when he turns into a bat and he comes back from... Oh, no, I'm talking about the werewolf. werewolf. I'm sorry. No, I'm talking you're, about Yeah, you're talking about Dracula. Um, okay, so fun fact. This is something that's like artistic license. Well, how, how, wait a minute. How about how factual is it since it's a make-believe game? No, it's actually written into the character uh, class for druids. Okay. So druids can wild shape. That's canon. Um, per your role play of what you want, you can actually stipulate when you wild shape, do you drop your clothes, do you drop your armor, or does your uh, like shape with it? The average player that I've dealt with would, just for convenience factor of not losing their stuff, because you can lose your items, um, will just say, it stays with me. But like I've done it where uh, like I played a, as a werewolf in one of my campaigns, and I've dropped stuff, and then later on I'm like, I keep losing stuff. So I'm like, can I change this? And they're like, yeah. And, that, and then I didn't lose the stuff. It's convenience factor. Most players would just say, it shapes with you, and you just lose it. But if you really want to go into the role play, you could say, "Yeah, it doesn't stay with you." So you can do that. I just don't. I don't like it. You, you know I what? I personally don't like it. One day you play a druid, and then I am not going to play a druid. <laughs> I, I know you guys. I know you guys set me up to play something uh, to set my character up. All that stuff. You didn't so choose a druid in the first place. <laughs> no, I didn't. I, cho- I, I think I drew an elf or something. I don't know why I you did. chose a ranger. I, I don't know. I'll do it. <laughs> I may have fun with it, but I don't know because the thing is, I know those campaigns, they last like for hours. I can do, I, we could do one where it's just you battling Kim. <laughs> how long would that take? Not hours. It, it, depending uh, on how, how fast. How long would it take? Oh. I'm a busy guy. Oh, no. Just like, uh, you, and depending on how fast you and her decide to play. I don't want to leave me either. Or two. I don't want to get her. I don't want to get her mad at me and leave and all that stuff. You know. Oh, that, but, that's um, that's how aggressive you all can play. So I can't help on that part. She doesn't like playing games with me because I do get very competitive. <laughs> uh, no, because I know you guys play like forever, and you told you told me the shortest game you've done was two hours. I think maybe it was four hours. You said I was like I don't have time for that. No, I did a battle uh, like a, a round of battles where we just tested out the characters and play, and it was like. Mm-hmm. Hour, hour and a half. Uh, but that was because they were brand new characters. They were getting used, uh, like literally, there were people that were getting okay. used to how their characters were. What, sh- what was your shortest campaign? Shortest was a uh, one shot, was about four hours. Oh, hells no. No. Uh-uh, that's a work day. That's a half a work day. That's a, that's the whole story thing. Da, 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 da. Like, I don't care. You're telling, me you don't put, you're telling me you don't put four hours into uh, UFC? That's different. <laughs> <laughs> or uncharted this is when i don't when i wasn't what this is, uh, this is when i didn't have a girlfriend <laughs> and i could stay up all night i had to get up early and stuff like that i don't play that long anymore i used to i used to pull up all nighters with batman arkham asylum 
Street Fighter, Uncharted. Yes, I used to. I don't do that more. But I, it's very hard for me to watch play games or watch TV, even though we have so much to watch sure. for our podcast. But the editing takes my time, and then my clients and my my work, and so I'm a busy guy. You just have to drive a lot. You have to drive far. That's about it. I've, anyway, I've been trying to talk to them to do the Zoom stuff so much. Just change careers. So like that is so much closer. Our location. This change is location. Okay, since you are a D&D enthusiast, is this worth the price of admission? Is it worth the watch? I mean, it's absolutely worth the watch. Could you save it to Netflix? Yes. If you're 100% like, I need to see this on the big screen because of the characters and the design, go for it. I'm not going to stop you. But if you decide to wait for Netflix, you're good. You're good. It is nice to see Thumbertrod on a big screen, though. That big road dragon. dragon. Oh, uh, I want to say the Black Dragon was also featured in Vox Machina. I think that was also in the Vox Machina, the Black Dragon. Who's the Black Dragon? Where was the Black Dragon? Uh, they did a flashback about the battle of the... Well, oh, okay. And that was the dragon that spits like acid. Right. Okay, so I know we're going to do a review of Vox Machina. Yes. So is Vox Machina inspired by Dungeons & Dragons? I've heard it's a little bit of Pathfinder, but I'm going to say yes, it's Dungeons & Dragons. Oh, so I, my initial intro was correct. I didn't say it was wrong. I just... <laughs> Add a couple more details. Okay. Yes, for me, it is worth the watch, not worth the price of admission, unless you want it on the big screen like IMAX. If that that kind of movie, yes. For all the special effects, the dragons and all that stuff, you want to experience that. That and also the sound. The sound was pretty good. Yeah, actually, I, I give you that too. They they did have a good um the sounds. Score wasn't bad, and it, it's but no, it sat with it. But not not the sound score, but just like when they were like talking, you can hear people like in the bar or whatever that thing oh, was. Like yeah, the like that. ambiance. I was like, oh. Yes, I was like, ooh, I was like, that's cool. Besides that, if it's not IMAX, I wouldn't, I wouldn't see. I would wait till you can watch it at home and have your own home surround system working. I can imagine them doing like a um, like a one shot campaign adventure book. Where you could play these characters, and uh, they've done it for Stranger Things. There's literally a Stranger Things adventure D and D style. Of course they did. Of course they did. <laughs> I mean, the the directors uh, actually did a a D and D game with uh, a small campaign with the actors. Fun stuff. I wonder how long that lasted. I don't think they mentioned. Uh, I, I think it was a couple hours. All right, guys, that is it for us in our movie review of Dungeons and Dragons. Honor Among Thieves. Let us know what you thought about it. Also, if you have a movie for us to review or maybe a show, please email us at tellsatwobros at gmail.com or mention down in the description below. Until next time, we'll be the next time. I'm Angel. I'm Adon. Love you, bro. Love you, too.